0: one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all." The gifts He gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, to equip the Saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until all of us come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love We must grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the growth in building itself up in love. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This morning,
1: uh, Mike taught the children that thing we do with our hands. Right here is the church. Here is the steeple. And you open it up and there are the laity. I worked in a church uh, years ago where a lot of people loved to travel during the summer. They had uh, some lake homes. They just, when the sun finally was out and it was summer, they loved to to be gone. And so the joke amongst the staff of the church was as of Memorial Day, here's the church, here's the steeple. Well, nobody's here. It would sometimes drop about half the attendance in the summer at this church. But everybody, rest assured, every September, right after Labor Day, everybody came back. We are here to celebrate Laity Sunday. We are doing so because God has put the ministry and the mission of the church into our hands. So we're celebrating in a way That God has chosen us. We're thankful to God for trusting us enough to put such a precious thing in our hands. And that comes with a responsibility. Years ago, there was a substitute teacher who was called in to teach in a biology class in a high school. The biology teacher was about to be out for surgery and would be out for several days. And so, the substitute teacher was going to have to come in and teach content in the curriculum that this substitute didn't know anything about. And so the teacher being careful and compassionate, compiled all the lesson plans, all the notes, everything that this substitute would need and put them in a folder on the desktop of the computer in the classroom. Not only that the students were gonna have an important test after the teacher returned the next week. And so the teacher meticulously put together a study guide for the students to have to go over before the test the next week. And all of that, again, was in that folder in the desktop of the computer in the classroom. On the day of the surgery, about just the time that the biology teacher was going under in anesthesia, The substitute teacher arrived in the classroom, walked in, sat down at the computer, turned it on, and realized the teacher did not give her the password to the computer. She had nothing, and she was not going to be able to get that information from the teacher. You know, part of what we are called to do as a church is not only organize and do the ministry of things, but also to pass on the right information to those who come after us. So what we do as a church can continue. Because it's not about us and what we do. It's about us doing it faithfully for God and then allowing it or nurturing it in one another so it can continue over time. On this Laity Sunday, we remember that Jesus himself, the very Son of God, came to earth and chose disciples that had little to no religious training at all. In fact, Jesus put the work and the ministry of the church into the hands of people like tax collectors, fishermen with calloused hands, sinners with checkered paths. Jesus did not put the ministry and mission of the church in the hands of people that knew the Torah in and out. Jesus didn't put the church itself, everything about it, into the hands of people with fancy robes and carefully colored stoles like Maggie and I. Jesus chose to put the work and the ministry of the church into the hands of the whole body of Christ. Jesus did this with these disciples and these early folks that were following him and asked them to continue to pass it on along generation after generation you may remember at the end of the gospel of Matthew Matthew 28 the great commission we preached on it this summer go out into the whole world teaching them to obey my commandments and baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and the holy spirit in a sense what Jesus is telling the disciples is it is your job to teach and to pass on what I've told you so that more and more and more people, the people today and the generations that come after will be able to carry on my message and ministry. And here we are 2,000 years later, and many saints have been faithful to pass on what they have learned. The church exists because the Holy Spirit nurtures it and keeps it alive, but also because the people of the church, the laity, the saints, sometimes the clergy do a little bit to help, but most of it is the people of God continuing to do the work to keep it alive. Think about the things that the church has overcome, including the dark ages. Where it is likely the only way that we have copies of the scripture itself is because some people sat there in candlelight copying letter by letter the words of scripture. Jesus took his precious ministry and mission and placed it into the hands of people like you and me and asked us to do the work and to pass it on. To others. And so that's why this message is so important today, because we are called, as Paul said, to equip the saints for ministry, all of us. How we do ministry is just as important as how we pass that ministry on. Let's look at Paul's message to the church in Ephesus. These Christians Now, if you were to go back to Ephesians chapter 2 and 3, you might notice something really important about these Christians in this church. First is, they were very different. The people within the church, that is, were very different. They were racially divided, and they were religiously divided. And the reason for that is is that some of the church in Ephesus was made of, of Christians who grew up from a Jewish past, a Jewish beginning. They understood who Yahweh was. They understood the commandments and the the very history that Jesus himself came from. Others within the church in Ephesus were Gentiles. They did not grow up with this understanding. All of what they were learning from the apostle was new information, and they were faithfully following in the footsteps of Jesus. And Paul tells them that they've got to be unified, They cannot allow their differences to push them in opposite directions. They have to be united as much as possible. That leads us to our reading for today in chapter 4. And you may notice just how important that message of unity is. We read it. Wayne so beautifully spoke it. We have one faith, one Lord, one baptism, right? The word one between Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16, is mentioned 17 times. One. Unity is important to the gospel. Being unified for the sake of being unified is not important. The gospel. Did you notice that? He didn't just say, be unified for the sake of being unified. No, he says, allow Jesus to be the thing that glues you together. Jesus is the head of the church, He is the one that unites us together. We are called the body of Christ for a reason. He is the one who knits us together. Unity is a sign that we are knit together well in the body of Christ. One is important. Oneness is important. Now, you'll notice that that isn't exactly the whole message of Ephesians chapter 4. It continues by saying, in our unity, the stronger we are in Christ, the more connected we are to Christ, the healthier we are, and then the better that we can equip the saints for ministry. The healthier we are, the better we can equip the saints. Now, if you look at that word in Greek, in the Greek translation, of the Bible, you'll notice that the word equip there doesn't necessarily mean equip. That is probably the best word for it that we have in English in terms of communicating what it means. It means something more like fully prepared, perfected. In in fact, some uh, texts that we have found uh, from ancient works talk about people in battle being equipped or perfected it means that they are fully trained they are ready for the mission they have all the tools and weapons that they need they are ready to go being equipped in this sense for the churches is that they have everything they need they've got all the information they have the right heart they have the right mind they have the right beliefs but then they're called to continue to pass it on and to do the ministry and do so in unity. So it's not only equipping the saints to do the work, but then they have to be unified in the same knowledge and love of God. And then, of course, they have to then help every saint grow in Christ-like maturity. After berating and coaching the Christians in Ephesus about overcoming their differences to become united Paul tells them that they need to grow up. (laughs) They need to grow up and get over their silly little disagreements that only divide them and distract them from what's important. They need to grow up and be mature and to remember that their call is to do the work of ministry and to pass it on. Equip the saints for ministry. In a sense, you might say that what the message of Ephesians is for us today is that we are supposed to be growing together in Christ continually. And I use that phrase because if you're a founding member of Asbury, it's probably pretty familiar to you. This summer, Reverend Mitchell Williams joined us in our summer institute and talked about the early days of Asbury before we even landed on this tract of land before we had our own beautiful place to worship in Williams Chapel or even over here in our sanctuary. Back then, Mitchell Williams and the early Asbarians had a motto, growing together in Christ. That motto was important for them because they said, in order to grow, we have to be present, we have to be active, we have to be invested, we have to learn, we have to study, we have to worship. But then it's also about being together. In the early days out here, new communities were popping up. New people were moving out here all the time. And what people did not have was community, connectedness. And Asbury was one of the places that offered this to people. So growing together and then finally in Christ. And Pastor Mitchell emphasized how important this was that we are grounded together, we are rooted together, we are glued together by the love and faithfulness of Jesus Christ. And those important words were some of the roots that helped Asbury grow. The work of equipping the saints for ministry isn't just up to the pastoral team. It's up to each and every one of us. Everyone in our church family has something to offer, I was doing a little research earlier this week and found an, a seminary professor named Stanley Harros, who was talking about equipping the saints for ministry. And he mentioned a text that I didn't really connect the dots on at first. He was talking about in the book of Acts, the very beginning of Acts, where the disciples are trying to replace Judas. You may remember it was Judas that, would, that was the one that betrayed Jesus. At the end of that, after Judas was out of the picture, the disciples needed to add another person to their ranks so they would remain 12 of them. And they looked around at the people that were also followers of Jesus and they allowed the next disciple to be chosen not by interview or resume, but by lots. Whoever drew... In a sense, the shortest straw would be the next disciple. And Stanley Hauerwas asked this question. He says, what kind of church do you have to be that you can select your leaders by lot? That anyone in the church could be selected to be the next chair of staff parish. That any person could be called on to preach next year for Laity Sunday. We'll be passing out sticks in just a few minutes. I'm kidding. I know some people are wondering if we choose who's preaching in what service by lot. I know that. Um, you know, if you think about it, what Paul is saying, what Mitchell was saying, what Hauerwas is saying, is that the health of a church is directly connected to the effectiveness of a church. The health of the members, the faithfulness, the love, the service of the members of the church is directly connected to the effectiveness of a church. Years ago, our our last bishop was preaching to newly ordained United Methodist pastors. These people were about to be unleashed into the world, sent to churches where they would preach to people. And he was telling them that they would not be judged by the number of baptisms they would have in the next year, They would not be judged by the attendance that they would have in these churches in the next year. They wouldn't even be judged by the response of the giving campaign this next year. He told them that they would be judged by their effectiveness of equipping the people in the church to be in ministry. They would be effective if they could do that work. Because... The health of the congregation, the body of Christ, every one of its members is tied to the effectiveness of the church in ministry. The point is that the members of the church, the saints, must be in good working order and ready to go, to go out and serve in God's name. Pastor Mitchell, our founding pastor, was here this summer again, and he noticed that we still had the servant's entrance tile on the outside of our church coming in with the sanctuary that he was a part of back there. We have one on this side as well, and he noticed something else, that when we leave the church, there's also a little sign above the door that says, servant's entrance. And it made him wonder, is this some sort of revolving door where you're never leaving, you're always entering somehow. It's not deja vu. It's intentional. When we come into the church, we are servants entering into this sacred space so that we can worship and grow, so that we can be equipped. And then we exit, rather, we enter into the mission field, we enter into the world as servants of Christ, so that we can take his light and his love out there. We're equipped here so that we can be sent out there. Whatever we learn here can be applied, hopefully, out there. What we carry with us today is more than just a good feeling. What we carry with us is a mission, a vitally important mission, And if we don't continue to equip the people after us, we will be failing to leave behind something of value and importance to the world. Now, I have belief that even when we drop the ball, God is there and the Holy Spirit will raise up new people and the ministry of the church will continue. But I would love to be a part of a church like this that already has has continued to raise up new people who can lead, who can serve, who can do good work. One of the most dangerous things we can do is not pass on the ministry, the faith, the process that we have been given. But Paul also says that there's another thing we've got to be careful about. And that is about allowing Other things to fracture our unity. Becoming divided is just as as terrible for the church as not passing on what we have learned. To fracture the church is just as bad. A commentary author, G. Porter Taylor, says this regarding unity and the mission of the church. He says, In this new order, all members are essential and all members are connected. Love, therefore, is neither theoretical nor abstract, but is the glue of community. It is what knits the body together. Love is the only way that we can not only remain united, but also how we can pass on what we have learned. How many people would want to come to a Bible study on keeping the faith alive where you were yelled at and told how terrible you are? But if you're loved and encouraged and your gifts and your graces are lifted up, the things that God gave you to use to make a difference in the world, if these things are named and claimed and celebrated, maybe, just maybe, you'll be excited about what you receive and what you can do with it. Love is the glue that holds us together, but it's also the way that we pass on what we have learned and share the ministry of the church with one another. If Paul were here, he would look out at you all and he would remind you you're saints and there's nothing you can do about it. You've been claimed by the God who created you and loved you. And you are responsible You are responsible for equipping those around you. When we gather, when we worship, when we serve, when we grow, you are responsible. You have the keys to the church. Keep it going. Pass it on. Don't let it end with you. How we pass on the faith and the ways that we have learned to be a church How we pass those things on matters. And we can't do it without one another. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God who knits us together. And one God who gives us everything we need to equip the saints. Amen.